about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Take your Bibles this morning, go to a very familiar scripture, Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 33. This is basically now the crux of TCVC ministry is about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is basically the government of God. Jesus came to bring a government or came to bring a kingdom, but his kingdom is from the spiritual realm. It is from the kingdom of God. And the more we seek and study that kingdom, the more we're going to understand about the things in the kingdom. It operates completely different from what you've been taught and what you've learned down here in the natural. So basically, Jesus came and said, repent. What did he mean by that? Change your way of thinking, change your way of looking at things, because there's a different way to operate in the kingdom of God and in God's kingdom that basically will help you to live in victory and the way God wants you to live. All right, let's look at it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Once again, Jesus is speaking, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, most of you have already sought the kingdom of God. You have entered into the kingdom of God when you got born again. But basically, there's so many different facets to the kingdom of God that need to be studied and need to be found out. Basically, when you study the kingdom of God, there's a different language used in the kingdom of God. There are different morals in the kingdom of God. There are different values in the kingdom of God. There are different laws that are in the kingdom of God. And as you discover the, basically, God's thoughts will become your thoughts and praise God, hopefully his ways sooner or later become our ways. So basically here it's talking about seeking first the kingdom of God. Now last week we started talking about seeking the kingdom of God. Go to Matthew chapter 13. This is your priority. This is first things first. Hopefully you all set up some kind of schedule with yourselves over the last week that you basically set up a priority time to spend time seeking the kingdom, to reading the word, to praying, and to any other priority that you have in your life. That's what we taught on last week, and we hopefully you've taken that advice as you've done it. If not, go back and listen to that because it will definitely help you over the long run. All right, Matthew chapter 13. Here's Jesus. If you study the four Gospels, you're going to find out that Jesus spoke basically about the kingdom of God. He was here not only to bring the kingdom back and to restore it to, through man through his suffering and death, but also by coming back and restoring it, he then explained how to operate in that kingdom and how important it was. Here in Matthew chapter 13, look at verse 44. Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure. Now he's telling you what the kingdom of God is like. It is like a treasure... We know that a treasure is valuable. It's something that you want and need. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man has found, he hideth for the joy thereof, and goes and sells all that he has, and he buys the field. So here the kingdom of God, if you want to know what it's like, or the kingdom of heaven, is it's like a treasure. Basically, when you find the treasure or find the kingdom, you will find your true purpose and your true priority in your life. And it will become, once you start to study it, the most valuable thing that you have in your life. It'll take the place of all those things, basically, that you thought were valuable in your life. Here it says he found the kingdom of God, and notice what he was willing to do. Now, this is a tough part. He was willing to sell everything else that he had to get the kingdom. Now, whenever we hear that, we think about money, we think about a house, we think about all this stuff. But notice, basically what he's talking about here is you, all those things you used to do, all those things you used to try to do in religion and different spiritual things, basically need to take 
place behind the kingdom of God. In other words, all the things that I used to do in the kingdom, I used to study this, I used to go to church, I used to pray, I used to do all these things, and there's nothing wrong with those things, but my priority was still out of whack. So once I found the treasure, all these other things basically, I didn't sell off, but I adjusted my time and I adjusted my priority and what I was looking at and learning from, I basically dropped those things and basically got into the kingdom of God. Now when you make the treasure your kingdom of God and you start to seek it, the first thing it will do, it will change your heart. How many know your heart's got to be changed in order for you to sell everything else and go after the kingdom of God? Because there's a lot of times in your life that things were in there that you thought were really, really important. This helped me when I started seeking the kingdom, my time. It helped my discipline. It helped my talents. Suddenly his will started becoming my will rather than me praying for everything that I wanted. I didn't care less whether God wanted it or not. I just wanted him to back me up on everything that I did. What you'll start redo- doing when you, when you go after the kingdom of God, you'll start redeeming the time, the Bible says. You'll start making use of your 24 hours a day, seven days a week. People say, well, I don't have time to do that. You've got the same 24 hours as everybody else does. God doesn't give me 24 and you 10. No, he gives you 24, so you have to make the priority and make the adjustment of what you want to do. And notice what it says here again. Read it again. Verse 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man has found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goes and sells everything. Now, most people can't find a whole lot of joy in going and selling everything that they got. As a matter of fact, that would make too many people happy. But notice the joy here basically comes up from you having your priority. It's a supernatural joy that comes up out of the inside of you, and then it makes your even serving God a joy when you serve God because your priority is in the right place. You're no longer serving God to get something from God. You're serving God simply because you love God and you're one with Him and He's family and Father to you, so you want to please Him in every single area of your life. I know a lot of people in the ministry who basically have quit the ministry. And it's not basically because they were called, and it's not because they weren't anointed. It's simply because their priority got out of whack, and instead of seeking first the kingdom of God, basically, they started to do other things. They started to keep the people that they had in the church, watered down the gospel. They, they, they tried to get people into the kingdom by basically gimmicks and stuff like that. The kingdom of God and the word of God is really the only gimmick you need to get people into your church, basically. They will come and they will understand it and the Spirit of God will witness with them and basically on the inside they will come. So notice it's seeking first the kingdom of God. Once again, this simplified my life. What what are you going to do in their life? What are you going to do this week? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to seek ye first the kingdom of God and my right alignment or agreement with that kingdom and my right position in that kingdom and then everything else will be added to me. I mean, you've been a Christian maybe 20 years, 10 years, 30 years. Are you worn out? Come on, are you tired? Are you burnt out? Are you saying this Christianity ain't cracked up to what it's supposed to be? Well, it's because your priorities are out of whack. When you find out what God's priority is, what Jesus' priority is, which is simply seek first the kingdom of God, and you start doing that, everything else will line up in your life from your finances to your emotions to your feelings and everything else. Now look at the next verse, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven. Once again, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He said, it's like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Here it's talking about the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is like a treasure. The kingdom of God is like a goodly pearl. It's like a pearl, basically, that he found, and when he found it, he sold everything else that he had at that time. A lot of times, when I first got in the church, I sought a lot of goodly pearls. 
I mean, I, I went to church. There was nothing wrong with that. I went all the time. Basically, I read the Word. I tried to look as spiritual as I could, especially on Sundays. I did all these things, basically, that were goodly pearls, but notice they were not the good pearl itself, the one pearl of great price. Once I found the good pearl or the great great pearl of one price, I started seeking the kingdom of God, and as I sought the kingdom of God, all these other pearls came in line, but I was doing them for the right reason. In other words, we all go to church, and if everybody's lifting their hands, we lift our hands. If nobody is, we don't. If everybody's singing and shouting, we sing and shout. If they don't, they don't. And I was doing all these things simply because I thought it would please God. I thought it was the thing to do at the time. I didn't do it out of a motive because I was really full of joy. I was really full of praise. I was really thankful for what God had done in my life. I was just doing it because everybody else had did it. But when I found that one pearl... Remember what Paul said? Paul said that once he, once he found the kingdom, he says, all this other stuff I've been doing, this religiosity, I look at it as dung. I mean, no dung is. I'm not going to explain it to you. Praise God. Look it up. Hallelujah. But that's what he said. Why is that? And then the Bible also says they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I found out until I started seeking the kingdom, I was doing all the right things, but my heart was not really in it. But once I started understanding the kingdom of God and what he had done for me and the position that he'd give me in the kingdom of God and the power that he'd give me in the kingdom of God, all at once there was a supernatural joy on the inside of me because I put everything else behind seeking the kingdom of God. God's not looking for you through your works. He's looking for a personal relationship with you. He is looking for a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a very peculiar person. Hallelujah. Is that you? Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Luke chapter 9. You know you're on track when you've got peculiar people in here. Praise God. All right, Luke, Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, this was sort of a goofy response here. This guy says, I will follow you. I will seek the kingdom. Jesus says, well, foxes have holes, birds of the nest have nests, and the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, we know from Scripture that Jesus did have a house. He did have a place to lay his head. But at this time, Jesus had just healed many people. He had just healed Peter's brother-in-law or his mother-in-law and another person around him. So these disciples were basically following him for maybe the wrong reason. In other words, Jesus said, if your priority for seeking the kingdom of God is to get all things added, then your heart is still not in line with me. In other words, you're doing the same thing that you were doing before. You're, you're begging God, you're doing religious work so that God will do something for you and add water and food and housing to you. If you're going through the kingdom to get these things also, your heart hasn't really changed. You've just found another avenue to go after your priority, which are things that are added to you. So he said, you don't want to do that, basically. He wants you to do the kingdom of God and go after the kingdom of God simply because it is the way to do things. In other words, the kingdom is the way. The kingdom is not the way of getting your needs met. It is the way to live in this natural world. If I lived the kingdom way and never got anything else in this world, I'd still be the happiest person alive. 
Why is that? Because there's a certain way that God knows. By the way, who created you? He did, right? So he knows what works best in your life. He knows what laws will work. He knows what conditions will work. He'll know your feelings and emotions. So basically, as you live according to the kingdom way, your health will improve. Your mindset will improve. Your whole body will feel better simply because you're lining up with the kingdom of God. So we're not going to seek first the kingdom because I'm going to get all things added to me. We're going to seek first the kingdom because that's the way to live, and that's the way Christians need to live according to the Bible. All right, just look at the next verse now, verse 59. And he said to another, follow me, but he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, and go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Once again, a question, this guy says, man, I'm going to follow you. I want to go where you want to go. I want to do what you want to do. I want to seek you first. But first of all, let me go bury my father. Now, we don't really know whether this father was dead yet or still living, according to the scripture. And how many of you know burying your parents is a very valuable thing? And he said, there's nothing wrong with that. In other words, there's nothing wrong with a lot of things you'll do in the world. There's nothing wrong with watching TV. There's nothing wrong with doing a little exercise. There's nothing wrong with going to dinner someplace. But your first priority, no matter how important those other things are, must be to seek first the kingdom of God. The Bible says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. Well, if you don't, that means you're going to be empty. You're going to be trying to fill your life with things that are not kingdom things. And by doing that, they they satisfy you for a little bit of time. You know, that new house, hallelujah, for about a year. And then you got... 29 more years of payments and it's not so exciting anymore. You know, you buy that, that rich car and oh, glory to God. And then you check your insurance and somebody bangs your door and all once you're depressed again. But that's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. Basically, as you seek that first and put that first, everything else will line up with you. All right, look at verse 61. It's amazing how much Jesus spoke on the kingdom of God and the importance of being in the kingdom of God. Verse 61, and another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but me first... Go and bid farewell to them that are home. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So once again, here we see somebody who's going to follow him after they do something else. After the, I just got to do this first. Have you ever? Let me just ask you this. You probably haven't, but I have. I got up in the morning and said, boy, I'm going to read the Bible today. I'm going to spend some good time in the Bible. And noon came, and you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to spend some good time. At 3 o'clock, I'm going to spend some. And 6 o'clock, and I'm going to spend some. And 10 o'clock came, and I got in my bed and said, now I'm going to spend some good time with the Bible. See, why is that? Because it was not your priority. You did not do that the first chance you had. And if you don't do it then, it's not, not going to work for you, basically. There's so many things coming and so many distractions. Notice he says, if you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. I found out that basically once you start learning the kingdom and teaching the kingdom, you're going to lose not only some things but some people. Some people don't like the kingdom message because it gives you responsibility in your own life to do some things, and you just want to go to church and say, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever God wants me to be, I will be. The future's not mine to see. And it doesn't work that way. The kingdom of God does give you responsibility because it puts you in a position of power and of authority in your life. So you may lose some unsafe friends. You may lose some safe friends. You may lose some relation. Hallelujah, Thanksgiving's not much fun anymore, is it, when you go there talking about the kingdom of God? No, it doesn't work out. Why is that? Because it's a totally different way of thinking. It's a 
totally different way of changing. Basically, it helps you. You may have to quit your job when you get in the kingdom of God. I mean, you can't dance for the tips anymore. You can't do things that are not in line with the kingdom of God. Why? There's an adjustment being made in your life. And you think it's funny, but there's a lot of people that get in the kingdom of God and continue to do those things. Why? Because they've not repented, they've not made the change, and they don't wonder why Christianity's not working. Christianity is supposed to be good. We're supposed to be the happiest people in the world. When you're working aside of people, they should say, what's the matter with you? You come to work every day, and you're on time, and you're smiling, and you're happy, and what's the matter? What's the matter? What are you doing? You're now setting an example. But if you come there negative every day, and, and terrible, and I hate this job, and I ain't never coming back again, and they say, what's the matter with you? I'm a Christian. <laughs> Oh, how many of you know that's not going to really suck them into the kingdom of God? They're not going to be tearing the walls down to get in there. So there's a constant repent, a constant change that takes place in our life. Basically, God is trying to renew our mind. Now, notice, he's not making our mind new. He is renewing our mind. That means at one time, for mankind, our mind was already new. Now it's got to be renewed. When was it new? When Adam received from God dominion and authority and was called to rule and to reign in every single area of his life. And basically that was his mindset as a king, as a ruler, in a relationship with God where he didn't have anything separating from it was sin or anything else. So God wants to renew our mind. And when I start seeking the kingdom of God, transformation started taking place in my life. Conversion started taking place in my life. Basically, I started changing the way that God lives and the way God thinks. All right, go to Matthew chapter 5. There's a lot of keys in the kingdom of God. I want to show you one key that will help you not only in your receiving from God, but you're living in peace and joy in the kingdom. It's a little different way of thinking that I had for years and slowly is being changed. All right, Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 3. It said, blessed are they, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? It's the kingdom of heaven. So when mankind fell, when mankind got in a position that his nature was changed and he was separated from God, the only answer back basically was the kingdom of God. It was not religion. It was not your works. It was not what you could do. But it was basically the kingdom of God. And that's what brought joy. That's what brought health. All right, go to Luke chapter 12. All right, Jesus once again talking about the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 12, verse 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Now notice what he says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to do what? give you the kingdom. Notice, it is your Father's good pleasure. Not only do you enter into the kingdom, but when you enter into the kingdom, God gives you the kingdom. In other words, the kingdom is a possession of yours. Well, the kingdom has in it worry-free, it has peace, it has joy, it has power, it has authority, it has all these things in the kingdom of God. And notice, it's your Father's good pleasure to do what? give you these things. These are things you don't have to impress God with to try to get. You don't have to beg him for. In the kingdom of God, once you enter the kingdom of God, everything that you'll ever need was already given to you, and the Father wants you to receive what has been given to you. I, w- I want you to help you with that, because everybody says, well, I prayed and prayed and God didn't do it. No, God didn't, didn't did do it. You're supposed to be receiving what he did, not trying to get him to do it again. 
Some people say, well, I'd be saved if I get a little bit better. Well, you're not going to get good enough to get saved. Jesus already provided for it. He's not going to go to the cross again and again and again just to save you. It's already been provided. It's part of your kingdom operation. You can enter into the kingdom of God, and your Father wants to give you the kingdom. And notice what it does when you receive it. It actually pleases Him. You're not robbing God. God basically saying, here it is. I provided it for you. I've given it to you in the kingdom of God. Now all you've got to do is receive what I have given you. All right, go to Matthew chapter 11. All right, Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 11. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, who's the he there? It's John the Baptist, isn't it? So here comes Jesus. He said, John the Baptist was the greatest among them that are born of women. How many people on earth are born of women? Pretty many, aren't they? A high percentage. So John the Baptist was the greatest among them that are born of women, but he is the least in the kingdom of heaven. Why is this? It's because John basically still brought a gospel of demand. In other words, when, when John the Baptist came, it was demand. It was do this, do that, do this rule. You have to do this. You have to do that. Much like a lot of religions in this day. You have to go to church on Sunday. You have to not eat on this day. You have to do this. You have to do that. But notice, when Jesus came, it changed everything. Jesus did not bring a gospel of demand. He brought a gospel of offer. Not of demand. He brought one of offer. So the kingdom of demand basically is a bunch of rules and a bunch of regulations that you try to do, and every day you're trying to do them, and some days you do them, and some days you don't do them. Some days you feel great because you did them. Other days you go to bed feeling guilty because you didn't do basically what it told you to do. The kingdom of God, though, is basically a kingdom and a good news about offer. The kingdom of, of demand basically tries to get you to line up your will with God and what God wants. The kingdom of offer is you submitting your will to God to line up with his will. Why? Because his way is better than your way. Man knows everything in this earth and everything in life except how to live it. He has no idea what he's doing here, why he's doing it, or whatever. So God comes along and gives us a new good news gospel. It is the gospel of offering something to you. It's not a demand to do this, to do that, to do this. No, it's a, it's a gospel of offer. When I was in the gospel of demand, I got to do this, and I got to pray, and I got to fast, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. Every night I would go to bed with a question mark. Did I do enough? I wondered if I prayed long enough today. I wondered if I read the word long enough. I wonder if I went to church enough. All these question marks. But notice, the gospel of offer gives you peace and joy because he's offering you things that you can make a decision on and basically it's your decision and you don't have to feel guilty whether you did it or whether you didn't do it because it's something that's already been provided for you as an offer. So basically, the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of offer. God is offering you things. All right, let me show you what I mean. Go to John chapter 3. I can see you right now. What the heck is he talking about? I don't even know. He's he talking about demand offer. I'm glad you're asking in your minds. All right, John chapter 3, look at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
the same came to Jesus by night, said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see what? The kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into what? The kingdom of God. All right, now let me just do a little side note here before we get going. You don't have to send an extra offering or anything for this. This is just free for you. Basically, what I was reading the scripture a while back, it showed me because as I grew up, even as a minister and even in the ministry, I was always taught that you bring people to the altar or wherever, you get them born again, and when they get born again, you can rejoice, hallelujah, because they're going to heaven. Isn't that what each and one of us has been taught? Why, are you born again? Yeah. Uh, why are you born? What happened when you're born again? I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. But when I read this verse, I had a little hard time finding heaven in there. You know why I had a hard time? It's not in there. Notice, it's talking about through the born-again experience, entering not heaven, but entering the kingdom of God. Now watch. Going to heaven is a byproduct of you entering the kingdom. But the entrance is not into your salvation. It's into the kingdom of God. So we said, well, praise God. I'm born again and I'm going to heaven. Well, now what I do? I don't know, but I'm going to heaven. What are you going to try to do? I'm going to try to obey the best I can the gospel, but I'm going to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. But notice, when you were born in the kingdom of God, it became a byproduct of you entering the kingdom of God. It just comes along with the kingdom of God. It's already there. So now, when you get somebody born again, you can say, not only you're going to heaven, but now you have authority. Now you have power. Now you've got authority over your situations and circumstances. Now you can live in peace and joy, which are also byproducts of entering the kingdom of God. We've not, we've not rejected the kingdom, but we basically held it back. We cut it in half. So salvation, it's more than salvation when you get born again. It's more than just going to heaven. It's entering the kingdom of God that belongs to you. I told my wife this week, it's like going on a cruise. How many know you've got to relate and stuff where people understand? I said, how many of you go on a cruise, you enter the cruise ship, and the first thing you do is get on your knees and pray that there would be a, a buffet that day? Oh, Jesus. No, you don't. Or you get down and pray, oh, there's going to be entertainment, Lord, I want to enter. No, you entered the cruise, and all these things are a byproduct of entering the cruise, praise God. So when we entered the kingdom of God, it just wasn't, I'm born again, going to heaven. No, there's power in your life. Sin has no dominion over you anymore. You have Holy Ghost guns on the inside of you, praise God. You can live in victory. You are a king and a priest unto God. And because we stopped the gospel short, many Christians are backsliding. I don't blame if, if If I didn't operate in power and authority and ain't victim in my life, I'd backslide too. At least I was enjoying my sin out there. I can't even do that anymore because of the nature changed on the inside of me. So notice, sometimes when we read these things, we're going to find out there's things that we've been taught that don't line up with the kingdom of God totally. See? Is going to heaven wonderful? Yes, but, but being in the kingdom is a lot better, praise God, and understand what you're there. All right, here he says, you must be born again. Now, let me ask you a question. When Jesus said you must be born again, is this an offer or was it a demand? I heard it my whole life. Everything in the Gospels and everything in the Bible was a demand. Everything's a demand. You better come to Jesus. You better come to church. You better pray. You better do this. I'm demanding you, babe. You better, you better quit drinking. You better quit running around all night. God has demanded me. Here's what I thought. God has demanded me not to have any fun on the earth. He's demanded me all these things to quit, all these things that are in my life. But notice, this is not a demand for anybody. It is an offer. In other words, Jesus went to the cross, and Jesus provided through his suffering and death an experience called being 
born again. When you're born again, you enter into the kingdom of God. But he never came and said, you, you bless God, you better be born again or I'm going to be mad at you. No, he provided it and he offered it to me. It was there the whole time. When I was 15, right there it was. He gave it to me. And how many you know it would have pleased him if I took it at 15? But I didn't. I didn't know no better. I still thought he was demanding me to get good enough to come into the kingdom of God. If I just cut down to a six-pack a day rather than a case, maybe he'd let me into the kingdom of God. But that was not it. The thing was, he was offering me something. And watch this. He was offering it to me for my benefit. I wasn't doing it. To, there, God, I pleased you. I'm born again. Had nothing to do with him. He didn't need born again. How many of you know that? He was doing just fine, but he was offering it to me. So then once I got born again and came in the kingdom of God, God says, I've provided deliverance for you. I'm offering you deliverance from alcohol. Now, how many know I could have kept right on drinking the rest of my life, died, and I'll tell you what, I'd have still probably gone to heaven because I was already in the kingdom of God. But notice, it didn't make any difference about going to heaven or not. That was not the issue. He was offering me a better way of life, something where I wouldn't die when I was 40 years old because I drank so much, something that wouldn't mess me up, something that if I took my deliverance that he already gave me was offering me, basically my marriage would be better. My raising kids is a lot better when you're sober. Preaching's probably a lot better when you're sober. Hallelujah. So what was it? It was an offer that God was giving me. It was not a demand. It was an offer. If you'd like to be delivered, be delivered. And, and there's people going to meetings all the time claiming that they're bound trying to get delivered. It's never going to work. You've got to understand deliverance has already been given to you. It is a byproduct of the kingdom of God, and deliverance belongs to me. So I thought, God, instead of keep drinking, dying at 55, waste my money, I'll just take the offer. And God said, good, I'm pleased. And I took that offering, quit drinking, and that was the end of the whole thing. Never had to drink again, never had to get drunk again. Why? Because I simply received his offer. There was no condemnation. There was nothing there. All right, go to Malachi chapter 3. One day you're going to get a revelation that God wants the best for you, for you. Everybody thinks we want the best for us, for him, but it's also for us also. All right, Malachi chapter 3. Very familiar. Look at verse 10. God simply says, Just bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be any room for you to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not devour the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time of the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now, once again, is this a demand or an offer? It's an offer. But if it's a demand, here's what you'll hear. I'm so tired of that preacher talking about tithing. I have simply had it with him. Every time I go to church, he tried to get some more money out of me, trying to tell me. And then you don't tithe and you go home and feel guilty. Well, you know, I got $1,000 this week. I gave him $2.50. That should be enough, I think, probably to do it. But I just don't know what's going on. Now, notice, you can enter the kingdom of God and you can go through your whole life and never tithe. And I guarantee you, you'll probably still go to heaven. I hope. Praise God, because with all the people not tithing, we don't want that to be that way. So what is it? So basically, you don't ever have to tithe if you don't want to. But then again, you may never have the windows of heaven open and God pouring out a blessing. So here's God again. You're in my kingdom now. Uh, your thinking's a little bit off. You want to get everything. I want to teach you to be a giver. So I'm going to tell you, here's tithing. Here's an opportunity for you to sow. And when you sow, it, it connects you to heaven, connects you to kingdom finances. And by you connecting with kingdom finances, when you get in trouble, I can help you. And when you give money, it goes to a heavenly bank account up there. Praise God. I'll tell you, if you've been tithing for years, it don't matter how bad it gets out here. You've got plenty of money in the bank up there. 
You just got to access it, praise God. So once again, what's God doing? He's offering you something. He says, here's a kingdom lifestyle. This, this is what you can do. This belongs to you. You can do it, but it, once again, who's it up to? It's up to us, isn't it? He's not demanding us to do it. He is offering for us. Now, what happens if I don't tithe? And then once my finances start to totally fall apart and everything gets bad, and I go to God and I say, oh, God, you got to help me. I'm a, I'm a Christian, and you, you promised to supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. And you know what God's going to say? Tithe. You're going to start your right back at baby step number one, praise God. So notice, you, you shouldn't feel guilty for not tithing. You should feel poor but not guilty. Why is that? Because you've not hooked up to the heavenly government. Once you ended up in the heavenly government, you now have a king who's responsible for all your needs according to his riches and glory, and he will supply all those things that you've been seeking in your natural life, but he offers that to you. It's an offer once again from God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 6. All right, Matthew chapter 6. Falling down the spirit back in the sound booth. Praise God. This must be powerful. Glory to God. All right, Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our what? Debtors. So here's the thing. Now, once again, is this a demand or is this an offer? It's an offer, isn't it? God says, you know, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You need to forgive those people around you. Well, I don't want to forgive them. Well, I'm going to forgive them, but I didn't really forgive. Do you ever hear somebody said, well, I forgave them, but then they talk about them every five seconds and the thing that happened to them. So they didn't really forgive either. They don't want to be demanded to forgive. But when you understand that by me forgiving an offer from the kingdom of God and from the king, by me forgiving them, it enables him to forgive me. But if I don't, then I feel guilty all the time because he's not forgiven me either. Not because he don't want to, but he can't because what you sow, you reap. So if you're going to sow unforgiveness, so he says, I'm going to take care of all your unforgiveness problems. I'm going to offer you just forgive everybody else, and I'll be able to forgive you and everything. Now, can you live your whole life in unforgiveness if you're in the kingdom and still die and go to heaven? Sure, probably. But you're going to live in hell here on the earth. Basically because that messes with your feelings, it messes with your emotions, it messes with your heart, so God can't speak to you the way he wants to speak to you. So God comes along and says, here, there's forgiveness for you. I give it as an offering for you. Forgiveness belongs to you in the kingdom of God. It's one of the benefits of the kingdom of God. You don't have to confess your sins and then wonder if he's going to forgive you. Look at 1 John chapter 1. God is offering us so much stuff once you get in the kingdom of God, but because we, don't, we think we've got to get it, we've got to struggle for it, we've got to read the Bible 24 hours a day to get it, you've got to understand that all these things, when you find them, he is offering to us, then we simply receive, and that pleases him because he provided them for us. All right, 1 John chapter 1, look at verse 9. If we, not if God, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's God. God says, I know you're going to get in the kingdom of God. You're going to be living and growing in the kingdom of God, but every now and then you may make a mistake. And if you make a mistake, that's unrighteousness. Well, according to my word, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his, all these things will be. 
So I can't afford you to live in unrighteousness because if you do, I won't be able to add all things unto you and I'll look like I'm not a very good king because you ain't got nothing. So what am I going to do? I'm going to give you an out. I'm going to give you an offer. Simply, if you confess your sins, I will be faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness and put you right back into your position where you can receive from the kingdom of God again because that's what I'm trying to do, give you the entire kingdom. But once again, who's it up to? It's up to us, isn't it? All right, go to Proverbs chapter 4. All right, Proverbs chapter 4, look at verse 20. My son or my daughter, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and they are health to all their flesh. What's he doing here? Basically, somebody, I haven't been in the word lately. I just feel so darn guilty about it. I just haven't been in the word lately. I know God's mad at me. No, God's not mad at you. God, once again, has given you an opportunity to live in life and health and telling you how to do it. Simply keep the Word of God in your heart. Keep it in your mouth. I hate life. I'm sick all the time. Well, let me tell you how to cure that. Get in the Word of God. Put it in your eyes. Put it in your heart. Put it in your, your mind. And basically what will happen, the results of that is I can have you have life and also health to how much of your flesh? all of your flesh. So what's he doing once again? He's offering. Now, can I get born again? Can I uh, be in the kingdom of God for 20 years and never read the word at all? And if I die, will I still go to heaven? I believe you will. But once again, you're going to live in hell on the earth here once again. Why? He's showing you the way into more than just I'm born again and saved and going to heaven. He's showing you a way to live a kingdom lifestyle where you're thinking like God, you're acting like God. Pretty soon as you practice this stuff, say practice, the more you practice this stuff, the more it becomes real to you on the inside. In other words, unforgiveness will no longer be a problem for you once you do it several times. There'll be a chance where somebody will say something or, or try to offend you, and basically it'll just pop up. We don't do that. We don't do that unforgiveness stuff. A symptom will hit your body, and you'll say, we don't do that sickness stuff. Why? Because it's a byproduct of the kingdom of God. It belongs to me. Notice the Bible says the devil comes to do what? Steal. Now notice, how can he steal from you if you don't have it to begin with? See, he, it's your joy. It's your peace. It's all part of your kingdom rights that have been given to you. It's your salvation. It's your joy. And the devil comes to try to steal what God has already given you through the kingdom of God. So I decide I'm just going to receive my joy. I'm just going to receive my peace. That peace is mine, bless God. You get your filthy hands off my peace. You get your symptom off of my body, praise God. Am I going to heaven? Yes. But that's not the end. That is a kingdom lifestyle that we can live here on the earth right now. Everybody wants to live when they die and go to heaven, and you will. But notice there's a time where you don't have to wait to go to heaven. And the kingdom of God is not the same as salvation. We've been taught that once you're saved, that the kingdom's going to come when Jesus comes back. But that's not going to happen because Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is here. And then he, he said one time, he said, when he was going up to the mountain, he said, there's some of you here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come. That means that he has either come or there's somebody out there over 2,000 years old that we need to find because he's still waiting for it to come. No, and we keep po postponing the kingdom of God. Oh, you're going to have joy when you get on the other side. We have songs, peace on the other side, joy on the other side, power on the other side. You ain't going to need it on the other side. 
You're going to need it right now. Right now you're in the midst of everything. Right now your peace and joy is what flows. Right now you need your power and authority. So the kingdom of God is here today. All right, go to Jude 20. All these things I take as offers. Then when I see them, I say, thank you, God, for offering me that. Thank you for a way to live in life and peace. Thank you for a way to be forgiven for every dumb thing I ever do or ever did. Praise God. Thank you for all these things. Thank you for the windows of heaven being opened. Praise God. As long as you've got a bank account in heaven, you never got to worry about finances again. All right, look at Jude 20. God says, here, I'm going to help you in your walk in the kingdom. Build yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the... Now, notice, how about if I get born again and I never pray in the Holy Ghost? Will I go to hell? No, I'll go to heaven, won't I? How about if I, I receive the gift of tongues but never use it? Will I still go to heaven? Yeah. So he's saying there's a better thing than just going to heaven. You, you can build yourself up on your most holy faith if you pray in the Holy Ghost. Now, what if I never do that? Is it God's fault? Oh, God, I feel weak today. I just don't feel your presence. I just don't feel you anyway. God says pray in the Holy Ghost. I've already given you a provision. I've already shown you what to do. I've already made an offer to you. Now it's up to you. You either do it or you don't do it. It's entirely up to you, whichever one that you want to do. So God in the kingdom of God is offering us many things. My question is, are you taking advantage of what he's already offered us and given to us? These are not things that you have to earn. These are things that have already been given to you. All right, go to Matthew chapter 18. So God has given us the kingdom. He wants us to receive everything that he's given us. It pleases him for you to receive. Matthew chapter 18, look at verse 3. Well, we'll go back to verse 2 so you know who it is. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said unto him, Verily, verily, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. Now, when you look at the kingdom there, entering in, it talks about entering into your full rights as a kingdom citizen, unless you become as what? A little child. Notice, a little child has to be taught which way to go, which way not to go. They don't really know. They will listen and do whatever you told them. The problem is with most adults and most people in the kingdom of God or who are born again, they've already got their mind made up of how to do things. We've been trained from the day that we became Christians of how to do this and how to do that. But many times it was not the kingdom way, it was the Christian way. And the Christian way didn't, oh, I'm praying in tongues, God's mad at me. He's, mad, he's not mad at you, he's offered you something that's for you. Well, I'm not going to forgive, I don't care. You just don't know what they've done. Well, the only person you're hurting is you, because then God can't forgive you, and you're living in guilt and condemnation all your life. So all these things, even, even given, if you still hear a message on tithing and you still get that feeling... You know this one. It, it means you don't understand the giving part of everything. God is a disperser. He wants to disperse into people's life. That's all he does. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So all these things, basically, he's trying to train us again like a little child. And I found out when I started reading this stuff, my goodness sakes, I didn't know anything. Uh, and in the ministry, 10 years, I'm teaching all these powerful classes that basically are just little reduced areas of the kingdom of God, but not the kingdom of God itself. So getting to the big kingdom of God. So here he said you must be converted. Say converted. converted. All right, now your conversion does not depend on God. It depends on you. 
Making the right decisions, removing the right offers will show you how far you are converted. How many know you could pray in tongues, still live in unforgiveness and not tithe? You could tithe, live in unforgiveness, and not pray in tongues. You could do parts of one and not parts of the other. In other words, you can be converted as far as you want to do what the Bible tells you to do. I heard a story of a pastor. He had three new people come in, and they came in together. They were friends, and they were all excited and said, we want to serve God. We want to do something in the thing. So he gave them a little chore to do that week. And the next week they came back, and he gave them a little chore, and they all did it. And the third week they came, and he said, okay, the only thing I got today was the janitor has been down this week, so I want you to clean the toilets. So the next week they came back, and two of them came up and said, we cleaned the toilets, but the other guy didn't clean the toilets. And the pastor looked at him and said, why didn't you clean the toilets? He said, I'm not that converted yet. (laughs) See, what parts in your life, how far will you go? I'm going to pray in tongues, glory to God, I thank you, Jesus, you're so wonderful. Are you going to love your enemies as you love yourself? Are you going to forgive those who have offended you? You can stop right there if you want to. Well, I remember back 32 years ago when they did something to me, and it still bothered me to this very day. What have you done? You've stopped right there. Conversion is up to you. How far are you going to? Are you going to pray in tongues and build yourself up on your holy faith? Are you going to be a tither, basically, and get in God's game? It's entirely up to you. You can go as far as you decide to go. It's totally up to me, and it's totally up to you. I've decided to go all the way. And I'm doing it on speed dial because I'm a little older than most of you. Because I'd like to get it done before my lifetime's over. Praise God. Isn't that right? That's right. Praise God. You've got to pick up the pace a little bit as you get older because your years are shortening a little bit. But for everybody else, I mean, there's a way. This week, read the Word. Find in there what can help you convert to the kingdom of God. Then just receive it from God. Thank you. I mean, if you don't say, I don't speak in tongues, we'll start. The Bible says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to them that... So what am I going to do? I'm going to simply ask. He's trying to give it over to me. It pleases him for do it. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to let it bubble up out of the inside of me. And whatever word comes forth, I'm going to preach it and it come out of my mouth in the name of Jesus. What's that going to do? It's going to build me up on my most holy faith. Hallelujah. So these are all things. It's an offer. It's so much. There's no condemnation and no guilt in the kingdom of God because everything's offered to you. And anything you don't want to do doesn't affect God. It basically affects you in your life. So basically there's offers out there. And I want to invite you today, if you're not part of TCVC, if you're from someplace else, the first time you're ever hearing this, I would invite you today to enter the kingdom of God. You don't want to be in the kingdom of the world right now. Even the experts don't know what they're doing. I mean, you get 10 experts, you get five that say one thing and five that say the other, but God is an expert. Let me tell you, he knows what's going on. He knows how to handle it. But you can only get his instruction if you enter the kingdom of God. You can come into the kingdom of God. You become a son of God. You can have the power of God, the anointing, and become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven itself with all its benefits. How do I do that? You've got to go through the door. Jesus Christ is the door. When you receive him as your Lord and as your Savior and say, I want to enter the kingdom of God, God has been offering that to you, the new birth, all this time. It's not something you have to do to get. You have to do works to get. It's simply an offer. You say, yep, I've decided to enter the kingdom of God. I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior, and now I'm part of the government of God. Now, you go to the Word of God, and you slowly but surely line your will up with his will, your life with his life, his thoughts with your thoughts. And as you start seeking the kingdom you're going to find out maybe your character don't line up to his character maybe your language don't line up to his language maybe your thoughts don't line up with his thoughts and the more changes that you make I mean I run into some Christians I just got to be honest with you they're, they're the best Christians I've ever seen on Sunday 
And they are super. They'll talk, get blessed, blessed, blessed. But boy, you run into them at work, and I'll tell you, they're using more foul language than other people. Why is that? Because it's not a kingdom lifestyle to them. It's I'm born again, and I'm going to heaven. Who cares about what happens after this? But that's not the key. The key is you have entered into a kingdom of power and glory, and since you've entered into that kingdom, you can do a lot of things that you never did before. You'll start lining up. Your finances will line up. Your marriage will line up. Your thoughts will line up. Worry will be gone forever, praise God. But you've got to make the decision to do it, and you've got to do the conversion. So if you want to do that this morning, it's available to you. Just pray a quick little prayer. Jesus, I thank you for suffering and dying on this cross for me, delivered me of all my sins and my past junk. And I thank you now I choose in the name of Jesus to enter the kingdom of God. And as you enter the kingdom of God, find out everything that belongs to you in this book. Let me just mention too as I close this morning, if you're on Facebook... Go ahead and share this if it blesses you. Basically, the more we can get out, the more we can get out. I mean, for a long time, we were not doing Facebook. We were teaching to 60 people. Now there's an opportunity to get to 300, 400, 500, 600, all your friends. Believe it or not, some of your relations may need to know this stuff because they've got no idea. So by you sharing this stuff, I mean, if they don't like it, that's fine. If they do, not, if they do that's fine. But by sharing it, you can get it out to your people, and everybody's got different friends on Facebook and a bunch of them. So it's an opportunity for you to be an evangelist sitting at home by pushing a button. So go ahead and do that. Praise God. Like I said, we are hopefully going to get back to absolute full strength here pretty soon. Bring people back. We are searching it out right now, but praise God. We thank you for tuning in. We thank you for your faithfulness. And I can't wait to get on Wednesday nights once again and teach you about authority and dominion. Praise God. We're excited about that. So we love you. We thank you for listening once again today. And praise God. We will see you again next week. Glory to God. Hallelujah.